0: To the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on April 17, 2016, on the basis of Acts 20, verses 28 through 32. The other day I came across a statistic that had me wondering whether I was in the wrong line of work. The statistics suggested that with all of the the channels of information that are at our disposal today, you and I receive as much information each and every day as someone living a hundred years ago would have received during their entire lifetime. I don't know whether or not that's true. I don't know how you'd even go about trying to prove whether or not that's true. But, But here's why that was initially such a troubling thought. See, years ago, there was only so many places a person could go to get answers To life's biggest questions. Questions like, Who am I? Who is God? Where did I come from? Where am I going when I die? If a person wanted answers to those questions, you could go to a church and talk to a pastor. You could go to a university and take a class in theology. You could go to a library and pick up a book. And that was about it. But over time, of course, the voices who were offering answers to those kinds of questions made their way onto the radio and then onto TV. And of course today anyone who wants to can offer answers to those kinds of questions with a blog or a podcast or a social media account. In fact each and every day you are surrounded by people who are ke- who are competing for your attention about all kinds of things including spiritual things. And so that led me to wonder if the world really is that noisy of a place, how in the world does one person one voice expect to be heard but you know there's also an important question for you in there if the world really is that noisy how in the world can someone who is seeking those spiritual answers know which voice they are to listen to i mean if that statistic is even halfway true then the description that the bible uses so often to to describe people who are seeking those spiritual answers that description is truer now than ever before. We are all sheep. In other words, we are all following someone. It is virtually impossible for someone to have a thought or an opinion or a belief that, that is truly original and truly unique. What we believe and think is inevitably based on what someone else said before us. Really, the only question is, who? Who? So two questions. For, for the shepherd, how in the world can a shepherd expect to be heard in a world as noisy as ours? And, and for the sheep, how in the world can the sheep expect to know which voice to listen to? The Word of God that we're going to be looking at today really addresses the first question more so than the second. Paul is giving some instructions to a group of men who are leaders in the church in a city, of, in the city known as Ephesus. But really, as Paul gives those instructions, he's also doing a huge favor to the sheep. You see, normally when you're called a sheep, the implication is that you are ignorant. The idea is that sheep would blindly and foolishly follow someone wherever they might lead. And yet, as Paul gives these instructions to shepherds, he also empowers the sheep. He enables the sheep to be anything but ignorant. Instead, Paul shows them exactly the kind of shepherd that smart sheep follow. So what's going on in these verses is that Paul is actually saying goodbye. He's bidding farewell to this group of leaders from the church in Ephesus, essentially handing over responsibility for taking care of the sheep to them. Have you ever done anything like that before? Handed over some amount of power or authority to someone else? Okay, Tommy. When I go to the grocery store, you are going to be in charge of your little sister, Beth. How, do, how does that turn out? It's amazing, isn't it, how, how little power we can still allow to go to our heads. And so as Paul hands over this responsibility to these leaders in Ephesus, he says this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. In those words there, there's an important lesson for us shepherds about who the flock belongs to. The flock belongs to God. There's an important lesson in there about who decides who gets to be a shepherd of the flock. No one decides that for themselves. Paul tells us that God, God the Holy Spirit, is the one who decides who gets to be shepherds and appoints those shepherds. But really the lesson that we want to focus on is how God's flock is formed. In other words, how sheep get to be God's sheep. And Paul says that that happens because God's flock was bought with his own blood. See, one of the things that's tempting for us shepherds is to think that the best thing that we can possibly do for the sheep is help them live their lives in the best possible way. So I would stand up here in front of you each week, and and one week it would be five tips to financial freedom. And the next week it would be seven strategies for a happier marriage. And then the following week it would be how to deal with stress, how to have a better prayer life, how to love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, every sheep, every Christian, rightly, is very concerned about all kinds of things like that. And yet there's one big problem. Your success at all of those things does not make you God's sheep. In fact, your success at all of those things cannot make you God's sheep. If your spiritual life revolved around living your life in the best possible way, then two very tragic things would happen. First of all, God would reject you as his sheep. Because no matter what you did, no matter how hard you tried, your life would fall hopelessly short of his expectations, as would mine. But secondly, you would end up being not God's sheep, but my sheep. I mean, think about it for a moment. Which which voice, which shepherd would you rather follow? The one who is constantly encouraging you, saying, Keep it up. You're doing great. Just try a little bit harder. You're really making strides and showing signs of improvement or or the voice who is always saying that no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, it's still not good enough. So if that's not the shepherd's job to to help the sheep live their lives in the best possible way, then what is, well, it's really nothing more than this. This is one of my favorite pictures that that so aptly captures the work of a shepherd. The work of a shepherd is nothing more than to point the sheep to what makes them God's sheep. To point the sheep to the one and only one who can make them God's sheep. See, in order for you and I to be God's sheep, we didn't need to change. We didn't need to improve. We didn't need to straighten up or clean our lives up or dig deeper or try harder No, as Paul tells us, we needed to be bought. We needed to be purchased. And the price to purchase us was so high that it could not be done with silver or gold. Paul tells us that we were purchased by blood. And so Jesus came to earth. Jesus took on human flesh. Jesus shed his blood for you. And Jesus gave up his life on the cross to purchase you for God. Now I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. Really, anyone could have done that. Anyone could give up his or her life for someone else. Maybe, maybe think of it this way. As of late, the most publicized piece of real estate for sale here in Mount Horeb has been the Norsk golf course. And of course, all kinds of people around town wanted to see that golf course purchased by someone so that it could stay open as a golf course. And, of course, anyone, anyone could have attempted to do that. Shoot, I could have attempted to do that. I could have scraped together as much cash as I possibly could have. I could have gone down to the bank and gotten the biggest possible loan that they would have given me. I could have taken that to the owners of the course and said, here, I want to buy the golf course. But because the listing price was somewhere north of $2 million, I'm guessing that even my best offer would have been rejected. So if anyone could have given up their life as as payment for someone else, how do we know that when Jesus did that, it was good enough? Well, we know that because God the Father gave his full, final, unconditional approval of the offer Jesus made when he raised him from the dead on Easter Sunday morning. Easter, friends, is our proof that this transaction is Complete that Jesus' offer was accepted and that you and I belong to God. So sure, I could stand up here in the front and probably think of some good things to say about, about how to manage your money or how to be a better parent. But smart sheep, smart sheep follow a shepherd who knows how God's flock is formed. And God's flock is not formed by the sweat of the sheep. God's flock is formed By the blood of the shepherd. And so, the best thing that a shepherd can possibly do for the sheep is continually point them to Jesus. But you know, there's going to come a time when I can no longer do that. And I'm not talking about the day that is maybe years, maybe even decades down the road when a sheep and and shepherd part ways, like they are in these words from the book of Acts. No, I'm talking about what's inevitably going to happen in about 22 minutes. When you walk out the door, when the gathered flock of God becomes the scattered flock of God, because of that inevitable rhythm between gathering and scattering, Paul's final words are so important. He says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You see, not only were these men shepherds of the church in Ephesus, they were also sheep of the apostle Paul. Paul was their shepherd. But now, again, he's essentially saying, my time as your shepherd is up. And Paul knew, Paul says it in these verses, that after he leaves, he knows that wolves are going to come in and try and lead the flock astray. Does Paul sound scared? Does he sound worried? Not one bit. And it's because he knows that even though his time with them has come to an end, he is entrusting them to God and to his word. See, another thing that's really easy for for us shepherds to do is to stand up in front of the sheep and say, this is how it's going to be because I'm the shepherd and I say so. Or a very close variation of that is this is how it's going to be because because the church says so. In other words, when someone has a question or when someone is struggling with a doubt or maybe even has an objection to something that the shepherd says, it is so easy to sort of put our pastoral foot down and say, this is how it's going to be. I'm the shepherd. I say so. That settles it. Or even, we're Lutherans. This is what Lutherans believe and so that settles it. There's There's a big problem there, too. And the problem is that, that what feeds the sheep is not the words of the shepherd or not the words of the church. What feeds the sheep is the word of God. I find myself saying it just about every time that we go through our page one class, and I said it again the other night to the group that is currently going through. We get to, the point, we get to a point in the, in the class and I say, you know, during the course of this study, we're not going to have an opportunity to talk about every single thing that the Bible says and every single thing that our church believes. But, but if we can agree upon the process by which we arrive at what we believe, then no matter what question might come up, even if it's years down the road, no matter what question might come up, I'm confident that not only will will we arrive at the same answer, but we'll arrive at the right answer. In other words, if if you and I can learn to approach life's biggest questions, or any spiritual question for that matter, and not start that conversation by saying, well, I think, or I feel, or even I believe, but instead, God says that no matter what the question might be, we will arrive at the right answer. You see, it sure is tempting to to stand up here and and try and think or, or think it would be good to try and keep the entire flock in this perfectly straight single file line simply by saying, this is how it's going to be because I say so. But friends, smart sheep, smart sheep follow a shepherd who not only knows how God's flock is formed, but who know how God's flock is fed. And God's flock is fed by the word of God. Which means that the best thing that I can do for the sheep is not teach them how to listen to me, not teach them how to listen to the church, but teach them how to listen to God, whether that's when they are gathered here or when they are scattered out there. So, two questions. In a world as noisy as ours, how in the world is a shepherd supposed to be heard? And in a world as noisy as ours, how in the world are the sheep supposed to know which voice they are to listen to? Turns out those questions aren't so difficult to answer after all. It's not because there's anything significant about the shepherd. It's not because of the the smartness of the sheep. No, it's because that no matter how noisy our world might be, there is and will always be one voice that still stands out no matter how noisy our world might be, no matter how many people are asking you to follow them, there is and will always be only one Good Shepherd. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.